right, we're going to go to Luke chapter 6 and keep talking about the words of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, you're welcome to take it with me to Luke 6. And uh, we're going to get into a uh, sticky conversation today. A uh, conversation that um, one uh, gets most people to react almost right away. As soon as I talk about what Jesus says, it's so simple, and yet it's so we're so lost on it. We just, we're just so bad at this. So we're going to talk about when Jesus says how, about how we should judge others and how you should be the judge of everyone else, how you should make sure that everybody knows that you know what they're doing is wrong or right. Oh, that's right. That's not what he said. All right, so we're going to dive into this. Uh, I think that that's just the thing that breaks my heart and, and the, the thing that draws me into God's heart about the church of Christ, about our church, and about the church around the world is that believers and churches are almost universally thought of as places of judgment. Now, let that strike you for a minute. When we read what we're going to read today from Jesus, that somehow we have found ourselves as people who are presumed to be judgmental. People walk in and brace themselves for the judgment they are sure will come. What is that? How did we get here? I get emails on a pretty regular basis about people who are dipping their toe into the water of, if I came to your church with my, my life, my set of issues, my deal, would I be accepted? Would people judge me? Would people reject me? I had someone ask me this week, if I came to your church, would you let me take communion because of my issues? And my heart breaks for that. And yet, we struggle with how do we deal with that label and at the same time do the things we're supposed to do. I think all of us would recognize that no one should walk in our doors and feel judged about how they dress about how much money they have, about how cleaned up their life is, about what their set of shortcomings or their struggles or challenges in life are. People shouldn't be judged, but somehow people believe that they will be judged. Actually, what they believe is that they will be condemned. They don't think they're going to be judged and approved. They think they're going to be judged, measured, and found lacking, wrong, failing, not measuring up. Now, on the other hand, I say people react to this both ways. People react to this both ways in the church. Because when I talk about what Jesus says in this passage, we talk about, uh, you know, judging people and not having that reputation. But we talk about not judging people. People assume that what you mean is if I'm not a judgmental Christian, if I'm not a judgmental church, it means anything goes. It means that the truth of God's word is unimportant. It doesn't matter what God says. People can decide whatever they want. God's not serious about what he says. And on any number of topics when he's spoken, we can just brush that aside because no one in church is supposed to disagree with what I want to do. No one is supposed to have anything to say about it. And so we struggle in this world. You have this end of the spectrum where everything is, is measured and we decide whether someone's doing the right thing or the wrong thing. We decide we need to let them know. And on the other end, we have this mentality that we shouldn't judge anyone ever And therefore, we don't say anything about anything. I don't even know why we exist as a church. So are those the only two responses that are possible? I don't think so. 
I think when Jesus talks to us, we can perk our ears up and listen because Jesus addresses our natural tendency to pour out judgment. And we judge all the time. It's part of our humanity. We judge people's actions, people's words, people's ideas, people's results. We judge. And we, in some ways, are asked to do that on a regular part of life. It is virtually necessary for you to to decide what you think about someone else. When they speak to you, can I believe them or not believe them? If they ask me for money and they promise to pay it back, do I believe that? Like, I'm making judgments all the time. Is that guy going to go, you know, at the intersection or not? I'm making a judgment about what someone else is going to do. And so in this way of discerning life, we just kind of get swept up in it. Maybe tomorrow you're at school or you're at work and someone comes and says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Guess what they did? And you are called to make a judgment. You have to decide, do I believe that about them? And how am I going to treat them? What do I believe about the person who's telling me? And so you're sorting through life all the time, trying to figure out what's true and what's not true. And so as you go, we have that same dynamic right now in in politics, in the political sphere. You hear stuff reported and you're like, is that true? And then you hear, oh, well, maybe that's true. I wonder if there's some big, vast conspiracy behind the scenes over here or over there or whatever. And The news keeps putting it in front of you saying, are you going to believe it? Are you going to believe it? Are you going to believe it? So you're asked to make judgments. Jesus takes us from the default working of our mind, our soul, our our, our whole demeanor, and shows us why it is unworkable and destructive to live naturally, to live humanly in this area of judging. And then he moves us all the place, all the way to the place where judging is actually healthy and productive. So how do we get judging so wrong? Well, let's talk about this. As we're going to read, we're going to start in, in Luke 6, verses 37 and 38. And, and let me just kind of like give you a couple of big picture things as we go through this, okay? One of the deals about judging where we go so wrong is we, we lose the answer to this question. Who is the judge? Who has the right to judge people? That answer, how I act in response to that answer, is huge. Because often what I portray, what I come off as, is that I am in a position to be the judge. As opposed to that God is the one who is the judge. And secondarily, I should evaluate what will come of what I say. In other words, I should, I've lived long enough and I've interacted with people long enough to have some reasonable idea of the way that I speak, what's going to happen because of that. Because so often, what I am interested in, what I'm driven towards is making sure that everyone knows that I'm right about this. And I wonder where God's heart for redemption for people went in it. Do you know God has a heart for redemption? That God loves people? That God wants to see them rescued, healed, redeemed? And maybe it's not so important that everybody know that you know the right answer about what they should be doing. Maybe it's more important that we find a pathway to introduce them to the God who wants to save them. And so we're going to look at what Jesus says here uh, in Luke chapter 6. Start with me at verse 37 and 38. Here's what it says. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. 
Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, so let's start with these phrases because Jesus kind of repeats the same theme over and over again here. You know, don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn or you'll be condemned. And then vice versa, if you give, it will be given to you. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. So who in this passage is the one doing the return? In other words, if I judge you, who's going to judge me? That's, that's the question about this passage that you've got to get straight in order for you to understand what Jesus is saying here. Now, many people, as they say that, would say, well, God's going to judge me. God's going to get me in return, right? So if I judge people, God's going to judge me. If I, don't, uh, you know, if I don't forgive people, God's not going to forgive me. If I condemn people, God's going to condemn me. People, and I understand why, why somebody would think that, but man, that creates all kinds of problems theologically right? Because that makes God into someone who forgives based on whether you forgive. It starts to make God a measure of your performance. You know what I mean? That's all kinds of hairy. And actually, that's not, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. What I think Jesus is saying here is in the normal course of life, and I think this rings true almost right away for you, that there is something at play that I'm going to call today the bounce back principle. How you interact in general with other people is what will bounce back on you. As I judge some other people, as I take a posture of judging, other people feel free and invited and prompted to judge me. Have you ever noticed that? That the way that I interact, my demeanor with people in general, comes back on me. It is part of the reason Jesus uses the illustration he uses when he talks about a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured back into your lap. That is a term that the people who are listening to this would understand. In the marketplace, as you made a trade and someone measured out their return to you, like let's say you paid an amount of money and you needed a certain measure of grain or something like that, an honest merchant would take the measure, whatever it is, and they would repeatedly shake it and push it down. Sometimes they would dig a hole with their finger and pour more grain into it. They are trying to make sure that it is a true measure. And it is somebody who's responding to what you've done to them. It is a human exchange. And so as Jesus says this, I don't think these people were thinking, well, that's what God's going to give me. They're thinking about a human interaction. They're thinking about how that when I treat someone like this, it's going to bounce back on me. It's going to come back to me in the same measure, in the same way. And I think that turns out to be true. I think that in relationships, you'll find that how you generally take on people is how they will generally take you on. If you are a hypercritical person, then you're going to find yourself criticized. I've seen this so many times. Somebody comes in and says, you know, well, my wife this and my wife that, and all they do is complain, complain, complain. I'm like, what do you think you're doing right now? Oh, yeah, well, I'm just telling the truth. Oh, I got you. We are so blinded to how we engender the response that comes back to us, right? We, we dismiss our part in it, and we hold other people's feet to the fire about their part in it. And so when I judge other people, 
it bounces back on me. Actually, in the parallel passage in Matthew 7, Jesus closes this part of the discussion by talking about casting your pearls before swine, which is, again, why I believe what Jesus is talking about is people, not God. What he's saying is, at at the end of this, he says, you know, you wouldn't throw pearls before swine and, and you wouldn't throw what is sacred in front of dogs. What he's saying is, if you take something that's precious and you give it to to, to pigs or or dogs, you can expect for it to be treated roughly. That's an expectation, right? He's not saying that the people that you treat are pigs or dogs. He's saying, that's what you... I know, that like, ah, great, I love that passage. No, okay. What he's saying is, if you threw a pearl before the swine, before the pigs, the pig's not going to be like, oh, look at that. That's really nice. I... The pig's going to do what a pig does, right? And so Jesus says, you have an expectation of a normal, natural reaction. Don't judge or you will be judged. I think if you look around our world today, what you find is that we live in a world that loves to weigh in on what everybody else is doing all the time. Right? I mean, what would they do on TV if there weren't people to talk about and decide whether you thought they were in a good relationship or a bad relationship, whether you thought they were making the right decision or the wrong decision, whether you could be in the know. That's all we do all the time. We live in a judgmental world, which means it's not that surprising that you and I find ourselves sucked into the conversation about deciding and weighing in on what everybody else is doing all the time. Have you ever had this conversation at school or at work where somebody comes up to you and says, well... You're a Christian, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm Christian. And you're like, okay, so what do you think about fill-in-the-blank issue? What do you think about that? What are they doing? Come on, weigh in. Everybody else weighed in. You weigh in too. And what happens is we find ourselves like feeling like this is a battle between will I stand up for the truth or will I just keep silent because you know, I don't want to face the wrath. But we don't respond to what Jesus is saying here, which is says, judge not and you will not be judged. Treat, and he just got finished saying, treat other people the way you would like to be treated. And so this kind of bounces off of that. Have you noticed that someone who is, uh, takes a position of weighing in on everybody else's life, everybody else behind their back feels free to weigh in on their life? As a matter of fact, they almost feel like they have to, to even just defend themselves, right? They're like, well, who are you to, who are they to talk? Because they have this and this and this. You might not have ever noticed that. You might have not ever thought that, except that they're always weighing in on everybody else. So now you're like, well, since you brought it up, right? It's like, well, if that's what we're doing, let's play along. Jesus says, don't play along. People feel judged all the time for their weight, for their parenting choices, for their children, for their home, for, their, for being single, for being handicapped or not being handicapped enough. You know, the people who drive up to a, a handicapped spot and people look at them like, are you really handicapped? I've done that. I've, uh, sometimes with, with our mother-in-law, like, I'll put the, the tag on the car because I'm going to go pick her up, you know, go, go drive and pick her up, and I'll park the car, and I'm not handicapped, but I'm picking up someone handicapped, and it's a long way for them to walk, Right? People look at you like, oh, what are you doing? I'm working the system. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that? People feel free all the time to weigh in on what everybody else is doing. But let me, let me just, we're going to kind of get, get down to this as we go through this passage, but let me get down to this. Is that the posture of a Christian? To weigh in on what everybody else is doing all the time? What's, what's inherently wrong about that. We'll see it as we go. 
It means that if I don't treat other people well, they will look to respond in kind. It doesn't mean that that's always the case. This is not a rule. This is not a guarantee. This is a general principle that Jesus is teaching. So sometimes I will treat people well, and they won't treat me well in return. You've seen that, right? And sometimes I'll treat people poorly, and they'll choose to do the right thing in return. It's not that it can never be anything different. It's just that as I sow in general, I will reap in kind. So if you judge, you'll be judged. If you're a person who condemns, you'll find yourself condemned. If you're a person who forgives, you'll find it easy for people to forgive you. If you're a giver, you'll find people want to give to you. And that makes sense, and we get that. Yet we get sucked into a different way of living because the world is so lost. Now, before I move on, let me just say this. Does that mean we never make a judgment? That we never call sin, sin, or we never say this is the right thing or this is the wrong thing? I don't think that's the case, and I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. What I think Jesus is saying here is watch out for your motivation. The distinction in this verse is made between someone who is eager and confident to make a call on everybody else's life, but they haven't really taken any time to make a call on their own. They have a a light of truth that they shine everywhere else. They just aren't that interested in making sure that they're on the right track. We do have the ability and at times the obligation to call something wrong that is wrong. I'd suggest a few guidelines. If you want to know when it's time for you to speak up on what's wrong, let me just give you a few guidelines. First of all, has God been absolutely clear on this? Or is this one of those areas where people can disagree? You know, if if God is absolutely clear on this, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't kill people, you know what I mean? You shouldn't be sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You shouldn't be lying. Things that are absolutely clear. Then I have the, 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 the first threshold accomplished where if it's absolutely clear, I can say, you know what? That is wrong. And you shouldn't be doing that. That doesn't mean you should, but, but that means there, there, there's a place that, that's a guideline for you. Second thing, and I think this is a really big deal. Do I have the standing to speak here? Do I have the calling from God or the standing to speak up? In other words, what I would say in my life as a parent to my kids, I have standing there. You're on the wrong track. You need to stop that. You need to fix that, right? I have standing there. But for me to interact with other people's kids like that, you can feel that's inappropriate. Maybe some of you can't. Maybe you're like, you should speak in it. Right? You ever been in church and you want to reach over and tap somebody in front of you and be like, could you take care of your kids? Not your place, right? We don't, we don't want that on us because that's not right. And that we know in our soul that that's not right. So do I have the standing? And, and let me just extend this, you know, whether it's you're a boss or a leader or a friend, a place of influence, something where it's just clear that, you know what, this is mine to say. Or the Spirit's just prompted me and I just know I have to say something. Let me just, before I say the next guideline, let me just finish this thought by this. One thing you never have the standing to judge is someone else's heart. You are never called to make a judgment on what, why somebody does something. You can feed back to them on what you think. Well, it looks like this, but I know why you're doing this. You are never called to that. That takes a certain amount of pride and arrogance that you are not supposed to live in as a believer. Does that make sense? Here's why. You don't actually know their heart. 
You don't have a crystal ball to look inside their soul and tell them what they're thinking. So you're not called to judge someone's motivation, someone's heart. Third thing I would say is, can I speak this truth in love? Love requires a heart that wants to connect, that wants to express clearly, not for the sake of truth, but for the sake of them. Can I find a way, am I in a close enough relationship to know how to do this? Can I find a way to speak the truth to you in love, in a way that can reach you, in a way that expresses my concern for you? If I can follow all three of those guidelines, I think I'll judge a lot less And I think when I speak out, I'll be a lot better at it. Has God been clear? Do I have standing? And can I speak the truth in love? We can't allow ourselves to be off the hook either way, whether holding our tongue or speaking out. Either way, if you're like, well, if I just hold my tongue, I'll always be safe. No. And if I always speak out, I'll feel strong and I'll feel... No, it's not any of that. It's following by dependence our Lord's example. And so this idea of judgment coupled with hypocrisy always will undermine the truth and it will always prioritize what isn't the biggest priority. Have you noticed that hypocrisy, when I am judging other people and I am not looking at my own life, what I tend to do is maximize something that isn't the point. Because what I'm trying to do is make sure you know that you are under me. You're less than me. I'm going to hide my flaws and I'm going to expose yours so that everybody knows who's winning here. Is the greatest good that we can do in this world making sure that people know what is right and wrong completely and perfectly? Is that the greatest good we have? So when you have an opportunity to speak, especially into some of those unknown spaces like that, Do you want to speak about the absolutes about this is right and this is wrong? Or do you want to speak about something that matters more than that? Do you want to take the opportunity to speak in a bigger way? Over and over, as the religious leaders came to Jesus, they would give him the same thing that you get, the yes or no answer. Try to pigeonhole him. You know what I mean? Hey, Jesus, yes or no on this. Pick a side on this. And every single time, he didn't give them a yes or no answer. So they bring to him a woman caught in adultery and they say, this woman was caught in adultery. Should we stone her? Yes or no? Jesus stoops down and starts writing in the sand. Whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Right? Because Jesus doesn't play into the game. When they bring a blind man before Jesus, they say, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus says, well, this is for the glory of God. This is a whole different thing than what you're asking me. I don't have to follow, fall in. They say, Jesus, we're, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Hey, bring me a coin. Whole different answer. Let's follow Jesus in not being willing to play by the rules of the world around us, but instead to follow our Lord. All right, so let's keep going, because here's what Jesus says next, verse 39 to 40, trying to show us the way here. Verse 39 says, He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. If we allow the world to set the agenda, if we respond in kind, if we follow their lead, Jesus has something to say to us about that, and it's basically this. Are you going to follow the blind people? Are you going to let them lead the way for you? 
I mean, if you were someone who was blind, who would you be going to 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 lead you, to help you? Another blind person? That Jesus would the blind lead the blind? If they do, they both fall in the pit because neither one of them can see. Now, obviously, you know, you could figure out some circumstance where some other blind person knows their way around or whatever. But in general, right? What Jesus is saying here is someone without sight would go to someone with sight in order to help them and get them on a reliably safe path. Otherwise, Jesus says both the leader and the follower are unable to identify danger and both fall prey to it. So here's what I'm saying to you. Be careful who you follow. Be careful whose lead you follow. Be careful who you let set the tone for your life. Too often, when someone does wrong to you, they become the default leader of your life because everything gets filtered through that hurt and your mind gets set on what they did to you. And because of that, it colors everything and they, in effect, become a huge influence that you follow in your life. Jesus came to set you free from that. Jesus came to be your Lord, and your, but the blind leading the blind will always lead you into danger and danger you don't even see. And so if you're following the blind, good luck. If, you're, if you place your confidence and trust in someone who has such limited vision that Jesus compares them to being blind, how are you ever going to get anywhere? Here's the problem. All the blind people in our world tell us that they see better than we do. You know why they think that? Because they're blind. <laughs> right? They don't know any better. And you can't make them know better. Who... Who tells the blind person they're blind in a way that brings sight to them? You? Jesus, right? The Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens people's eyes, not you and I. We might be used by it, but I don't have to have a conversation with people about you're so blind because that sounds judgmental. That sounds superior. I just have to know I'm not following you. I'm not listening to what you have to say to me and saying, well, let me respond like you would respond. Be careful who you follow. Please don't miss the fact here that Jesus is condemning the religious leaders of Israel as blind people. The people who knew the word of God, the people who devoted their whole life to studying it were the people he was condemning as blind because they took the word of God and they used it as a place to stand in judgment with pride over everyone else. And in so doing, knowing the word of God, the word that God had given them, they were putting themselves in such a dangerous position and they didn't even realize it. A trap, a deadly trap. Believing they were God's people, believing they had an eternal future while being lost and standing in the path of God's judgment. And Jesus says to them, you are the blind and you're trying to lead other blind people, but you're going to lead them into a ditch. So be careful who you let influence your thinking. Be careful who you follow, who you listen to. Now, I've I've heard people take that to the extreme. Sometimes I'll read a book or or go to a conference or whatever. People are like, well, how can you let unsaved people influence you? You The blind can't, you know, don't follow the blind. I understand that. But there are different areas we're talking about here. If I'm going to college and I'm going to go take calculus, I probably am not like, now, are you a believer? Because I can't listen to you unless you're a believer right? Like, teach me math. You know math, teach me math, right? 
So the idea here is don't take something that will set a spiritual tone or direction. Don't take something that will speak to your spiritual life from someone who's blind. Now, if, if listening to a traffic cop, you know, the guy who's the authority is telling you to come or go, you're like, nope, you're a blind person. I'm not following you. <laughs> not going to work, right? There are places where this, you've got to be discerning about what he's saying here. And so what he says here is, be careful about who you follow. I'm not saying you should disrespect other people. I'm not saying you should be uh, you know, arrogant and proud. I'm just saying you should be aware of where they come from spiritually and know that you don't follow someone who's blind. We live in a world full of judgment, a world that believes that the strong, that the proud, that the rich, that the influential are the ones who have a right to speak about everybody else. Do you believe that? Because when Jesus came to this earth, how many people did he have the right to judge? Is that what we find him doing? Going around going, you're a loser, you're a loser. Or did he say, the son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Folks, we have to have a heart for the redemption of mankind, not the condemnation of mankind. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, when you start to get reflected back to you, criticism and judgment, maybe a light should go on that I've been buying into a system of the world that I don't want to buy into. Don't judge so that you will not be judged. In a world full of judgment, remember this. You are blind too. Not in the same way, but in this way. You don't know everything you would need to know to make a judgment. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know their struggles. You don't know the deepest, darkest secrets of the soul. You don't know their whole history, right? Isn't it the height of arrogance to make a judgment on someone without knowing Isn't that the hardest thing to take on the other end when someone makes a judgment about me, but they have no idea what I'm in the middle of? And so why would I go around casting judgment on other people if I accept and already know the fact that I don't know enough to make a judgment? And I don't have the standing to judge. I'm not their judge. God's their judge. So I don't need to do that. It's unwise to judge because I don't have the standing and I don't have the sight. So Jesus invites us to follow him. To follow him as the one who sees instead of following the ones who are blind. Now, in the last couple of verses here, this is, this is where it hits home because we are called to judge. Uh, but who? Where? In what circumstance are we called to judge? Our most productive evaluation is done here. And I would say not in a destructive way, but in a productive way. Let's see what he says in verse 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So where is our judgment supposed to be the clearest, the strongest, the most regular? On me. Isn't that the place we get off track? Because I'm so interested in making sure everybody else knows what they're doing wrong, but I really don't want to look at where I'm doing wrong. I don't know what to do about it. I'm frustrated by it. I'm overwhelmed by it. I've never been able to beat it, or I don't care to beat it because I want to keep uh, holding on to it. So I just brush that off, but I want to make sure you know that your struggle isn't okay. Okay. 
your struggle is wrong. You know, and that's why I think the church finds itself in a really hard position on some of the social issues of today because we aren't great at self-evaluating. We're great at proclaiming where everybody else is off while positioning ourselves as though we have it all right. And so this idea of a speck is just a, a piece of straw or a small particle of sawdust. And the idea for a plank is a large beam that they would use to lay down a floor or, or to build a ceiling, large, long planks. People say, well, this is about perspective. You know, when it's up close, it's like a plank. And when, that's not the words Jesus uses. These are not the same size things. The idea is the ridiculousness of making sure that you get the speck, the small, tiny thing out of someone else's eye while you've got this really big problem in your own eye. How would you help someone with a problem if you always assumed your problems are bigger than theirs? What would that do to affect the church if we always assumed that we've got bigger struggles than anyone else? How would that change how we interact with people? Do you think it might breathe some humility, some graciousness into the way that we interact? And that's what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying, listen, Let's not be so quick and sharp to judge everyone else and be just so you know, lenient with ourselves because we give ourselves credit for our motivation. Well, I know what I was trying to do, right? We give ourselves allowance for circumstances. Well, I would have done the right thing except for this and this and this, and I don't know what I was supposed to do. We give ourselves all kind of leeway, and then we turn around to others, and we give them no leeway at all. That's hypocrisy. That's positioning ourselves in a role that isn't true. The word hypocrisy comes from the word for actor. We are acting in a role. And the role that we're playing is that we don't have any problems, at least none that are worth mentioning. But you've got problems that are so big and so hard that I can't stop telling you about them. So Jesus says, don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn so you're not condemned. Forgive, so you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Don't follow the blind, and don't go get the speck out of someone else's eye when you have a beam in your own eye. Are we supposed to be truth speakers? Yeah. First, to ourselves. First, to me. My responsibility is that I am honest about where I am. And if I'm effectively doing that, if I'm receptive to what God is teaching me, then whatever truth I speak to others will come from that place of humility. I will recognize that I'm not the judge, that I don't see everything, and I'll interact with them in the way that I would like for them to interact with me, with grace and forgiveness at the front, and condemnation and judgment falling itself back to the rear. We're going to close with a song today that invites you to that mindset and that heart, that sense of dependence on the Spirit of God. Because I think as we look into this year, we talk about what we're going to try to do this year is we're going to try to share Jesus and we're going to try to serve people. One of the big obstacles to that is this issue of condemnation, judgment, pride that gets in the way of people seeing Jesus because all they see is us. And so as we do this, as, we, as the song is sung, as the service is closed, I would invite you to let the Spirit search your heart today. How much have you drifted into a judging mindset with others? You've always, whether to them or to others, you've always got something to say about what everybody else is doing wrong all the time. Do you know what that's going to bring back on you? Do you know that, that the atmosphere that that creates? It's not an atmosphere you want, and it's not an atmosphere Jesus calls you to. 
In what areas do you need to recognize your inability to see? Be humble enough to say, I don't know everything, and so I'm not called to make a judgment. And where do you need to turn that judgment on yourself, letting the Spirit search you?